Well, church, let's, let's thank the Lord for John, Mark, and the worship team, but also for these boys and girls. Let's thank the Lord for them. Incredible. Psalm 23, as we land the plane on the Soul Care series, I appreciate uh, the way the Lord has ministered to us over the last six weeks through this psalm that we know very, very well. And I pray today will be a life-changing day for you, those of us in the room and those who are watching, as we think what the Good Shepherd wants to do in our lives in regards to all eternity. Uh, as I share with you, I've been in Lexington the last three days at a pastor's gathering uh, 400 pastors and wives in a room together. And on Friday night, uh, they give you a little time off for pastors and wives to go have a date night. And Ainge and I, we want to go over to the Fayette Mall in Lexington. When we lived up in that area, we used to go there a lot. And so we had about an hour before we had a dinner meeting with some other leaders. And so we drive over there and go to the mall. And so Angie goes her way and she shops and I'm going my way shopping. And so I'm walking in the store and to be honest, I'm walking and not really paying any attention at all because I'm thinking about the sermon I'm going to be preaching on Saturday morning. So I'm not really paying any attention. I'm walking and all of a sudden I get to a point and I see myself walking behind one of the counters where the employees are supposed to be. And I sit and I stop real quick. And there was a lady who was an employee there saw me and she asked me this question. She said, sir, are you lost? And I said, of all the people you could ask that question to, I'm interested and I'm grateful you asked me that question. And then I looked at her and I said, ma'am, in fact, I'm not lost. I have been found. And I said, I have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and he is my shepherd. She didn't know what to do after that. She thought, what in the world did I ask him that question for? Be a witness wherever you are. What a great question. Are you lost? I'm not lost. I'm found. He is my good shepherd. I want to ask you, are you lost today? If you're in this room and you're watching and you don't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, I believe today is a divine day for you. You can experience the goodness, the grace, the mercy of the good shepherd who laid down his life on a cross, shed his blood, was buried in a tomb, but gloriously raised on the third day is alive today and he is still saving boys and girls and men and women all over the world today. And that can be in your life as well. Uh, many times as we go through life, the title today, there's no place like home. Uh, there are times that we, we go busy lives. All of us are the same way. and We like to get away for a few days or for a week. And so there are many, many ways that we can do that. There are many different perspectives about that. Some of you would say when you get away, you like to go to the mountains, the Great Smoky Mountains or the Rocky Mountains. And when you're there, uh, you like to look out sometimes, spend on time of the year and see snow-capped mountains. You like to see wildlife in their natural habitat. Or maybe you have a stream by your accommodations you like to listen to. It's relaxing for you and you enjoy that. Other people would say you like to go to the beach, maybe Destin or maybe Hawaii, and you want a place that's right on the beach. That way, when you walk out your door, it is fun in the sun for you, and you love it. But then there are others of us, we like to go to maybe to a resort where everything is contained right there. 
You really never have to get in your car. If you want to golf, you can do that. If you want to go to the spa, you can do it. If you want to play tennis, you can do that. You want to have some great dining experiences right there in the resort, probably in Florida, Hawaii, other places. But everything is right there, and you enjoy it. So you're there for a few days. Maybe you're there for a week. And imagine like you. Here's what Angie and I often say. As we find ourselves day four, day five, day six, we say, this is fun. This is relaxing. We're having a great time. But also we would say this. There's no place like home. And somewhere after a while, you stay there for a number of days. You say, you know, it's been fun. I feel rested and rejuvenated. But you know, there's nothing like the comforts of our house and the comforts of our own bed. Why? Because there's no place like home. My grandmother had a significant, significant influence in my life. My grandmother loved Jesus. She walked with Jesus. And I can still see her Bible to this day where it would sit at. She would read it. And she had an amazing spiritual influence in my personal life. My grandmother never went to seminary. She didn't have any seminary degrees. She just loved Jesus. She loved his word. She loved his church. And she loved me. My grandmother, in fact, was the one who uh, introduced me to playing golf. Uh, my grandmother worked at one of the Kentucky State Park golf courses. She ran that. So the good news is I got to play free golf whenever I wanted to. So in the summer, I pretty much played golf every day. I'd play golf in the mornings. She would give me some money. I'd go over to the State Park Lodge, and I would have lunch, hamburger, cheeseburger, french fries. I'd walk around there for a while, walk back in the afternoon, play more golf till it was dark, and she was ready to go home, and I was ready to go home, and then we'd repeat that process the next day. A lot of fun. My grandmother's health started failing. She would end up in the hospital periodically. And I remember one of the last times I visited with her in the hospital, I was there talking to her. We were talking about the Bible, talking about God's Word. And I'd pray for my grandmother and, and I'd lift her to the Lord and have a conversation with her. And I was talking to her one day about a very specific thing about life, but even about death. And my grandmother said to me, and she called me by my name, and she said, I just want to go home. And I stood there around the bedside of my grandmother. And I knew my grandmother wasn't talking about her little brown country house. But she wanted to go back there again where I'd hit broken out windows with golf balls. I'd hit her car with golf balls. I'd hit the house with golf balls. She didn't care as long as I was hitting golf balls. But she said, I just want to go home. And my grandmother and I talked about there's no place like home. That's why the 23rd Psalm ends. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, the Apostle Paul said this. For us who are believers in Christ, it's a win-win for you and me. And here's what he said. For me to live as Christ, to die is what? Not loss, gain for those who are believers in Christ. It's a win-win. If the Lord gives me life today, I'm going to live it for him. But if he calls me home today, that's going to be amazing because I'm going to be able to see the mansions and see his face. There's no place like home. As you think about John chapter 14, listen to this verse as well. John chapter 14, verse 1, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms or mansions. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also, and you know the way to the place where I am going. We are going to be with Jesus forever and forever. There's no place like home. 
In Psalm 23, the psalmist, just to remind you, he has said, the Lord is my shepherd. He has said, I shall not want. He has said, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He said, he leads me beside still waters. He said, he restored my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. The psalmist said, even though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, I had no fear in my life because I knew he was with me. His rod and his staff, they were comforting me. He even prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anointed my head with oil and, 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 and his, my cup was running over. And then he said, but surely his goodness, his mercy, his loving kindness, they followed me all the days of my life. And then David said, and then I shall dwell in the house of the Lord. And David said, there's no place like home. Do you know where you're going to spend eternity at? That's going to be a focus as we finish out this message. Look at number one. Consider the shepherd's faithful dedication. I imagine in your life you've got people in your life who are dedicated to you. If you run a business, you've got dedicated employees. If you work at a place, you want a dedicated supervisor, boss for you. But when you think about the shepherd, he is faithful to us. He's dedicated to you and to me. When I think about God's word, I think about what uh, Lamentation says. His mercies are new every morning. And then it says this, great is thy faithfulness. The shepherd, the good shepherd who laid down his life on a cross for you and me, he has blessed you and me on this Sunday with mercies that are new for this day. When Monday comes, tomorrow, new mercies are coming. But we're going to know this. Great is the shepherd's faithfulness to you and to me. So let me encourage you to write these words down. Number one is promise. Psalm 23, he says, surely. When you read the word surely in God's word, that is a promise. I'm grateful the psalmist didn't say maybe or possibly. He said, surely, that is a promise. As we look at God's word from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible is filled with thousands upon thousands of promises from God himself. And as you and I think about God's word and his promises, they apply to our lives, they apply to our marriages, our families, our church, your vocation, the way we handle money, promise after promise after promise after promise. And here's what we know, the good shepherd will fulfill every single promise he ever makes. He'll never break a promise, he'll never miss a promise, He'll never let you down. He'll never disappoint you. He'll never walk out of your life. He is with you always to the very end of the age. The Bible is filled with promises and the good shepherd is going to fulfill them. And David said, surely, not maybe, not possibly, surely, you promised this to me as one of your sheep. It's a promise. Second word is pursuit. He says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. As you and I think about those words, surely goodness and mercy, goodness, we understand he is a good, good father. He has been so good to you and me. We also know about mercy. That word is also loving kindness. You and I have a, a good shepherd who's good to us, but also who loves us. And it says, shall follow me. The, the, the better translation of that word in the Hebrew text is, surely goodness and loving kindness shall pursue me all the days of my life changes the meaning of that in many ways. I don't want them just following me. I want them pursuing me in life. 
And because of his promise, his goodness, his mercy, his loving kindness are pursuing you and me in life because sheep, again, have a tendency to drift off course. Sheep will lag behind. Sheep will drift and start wandering away. They'll be going along with the, the flock at some point, and all of a sudden, one of them will just have an idea to think, I think I want to start going this direction. And that sheep will start in that direction. But you've got surely goodness and loving kindness shall follow me or pursue me all the days of my life. Now, how would a good shepherd do that? How would a shepherd lead sheep? Because again, the shepherd is going to be in front. How's a shepherd going to do that? Look at these two things. Number one, he moved the flock forward at a reasonable pace. That's how the shepherd would lead. He wasn't going to lead them fast. Because if you lead sheep fast, that is dangerous. They can get hurt. Not the strongest animals, not the smartest animals, not the cleanest animals. And so if you lead them too fast, it would be dangerous for the sheep. And the shepherd would not lead them at that fast of a pace. Let me give us a word there. Because when I think about our church, I think about the good shepherd. Uh, We need to find ourselves, as we understand the fruit of the Spirit, is being patient. As I think about our church, we've got short-term needs and long-term needs. And when I think about what does God want to do in the short term, what does God want to do in the long term, you and I need to be resting with a good shepherd to say, we want to make sure that we make changes or we make decisions and we do so at a reasonable pace. We don't want to go too fast. Because sometimes I've seen churches split. They get odds with each other because a pastor and leaders try to lead the people of God too fast and you can't lead sheep that fast. You need to lead at a reasonable pace pace and trust the Lord to say, Lord, your goodness and loving kindness, they're pursuing us all the days of our lives. We are going to trust you at your pace. You're going to give us direction and answers, and we will make those decisions when your Holy Spirit leads us at the right place at the right time. That's how a shepherd's going to keep things together. He's going to lead the sheep at a reasonable pace. Second, he used others to help him do the work. A shepherd understands how to delegate. A shepherd's going to be out there in front. He's going to be leading the sheep. He's leading them to green pastures. He's leading them to still waters. He's leading them in these paths of righteousness. The shepherd is leading. But how does he keep the sheep from lagging behind and drifting off course? Sometimes a shepherd will use an under-shepherd. The shepherd will have some other people to say, I'm going to be leading. I want you to walk beside or behind the flock and keep them together. Protect them as we go forward. And then sometimes a shepherd is going to use beautiful animals called sheepdogs. You ever saw any sheepdogs before? The, the, the shepherd's out in front leading. The sheep are moving forward together. The sheepdogs are behind. And if one of those sheep start getting out of line, drifting off course, lagging behind, those sheepdogs will start barking, alerting the shepherd to say, we've got a sheep not wanting to behave. Sheepdogs. And in Psalm 23, verse 6, we see God's sheepdogs. Beautiful animals. And what are they? Goodness and mercy. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. His sheepdogs are behind us. And as you think about it, he's fulfilling his promise. He's made a promise to us. He's pursuing us with goodness and loving kindness. 
You, you, you'll, never, you'll never comprehend how good he is to us. You'll, you'll never fathom his loving kindness to us because it's more than our minds can conceive. But he is good to us. His loving kindness is there. He will always love you and me and be good to you and me. Two years. Look at the third word. It's permanence. What did David say? Surely, promise, goodness and mercy shall follow me, pursue me, and how often all the days of my life permanence. Church, I'm grateful David didn't say, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me some of the days of my life. I'm grateful David didn't say, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me most of the days of my life. I'm grateful he said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. When Monday comes, I need his goodness and mercy pursuing me. When Friday comes, I need his goodness and mercy to pursue me. When I find myself in a storm facing adversity, I need his goodness and mercy pursuing me. When I have a difficult relationship and something in that relationship is not going well, I need his goodness and mercy pursuing me. When life makes no sense and I seem to be at a dead end or I'm at a fork in the road and I'm not sure exactly what to do, I need the goodness and mercy of God to pursue me in my life. And the same is true in your life, whether you're a kid, a student, or an adult. You need the goodness and mercy of God pursuing you all the days of your life. And the promise of God's word is what David is saying, the good shepherd also to the sheep, surely goodness and mercy will, shall pursue us all the days of our lives. It is permanent. And so you need to realize how good the shepherd's care is. He is faithfully dedicated to you and to me in life. It's a promise. He's pursuing us, and it's permanent. Look at number two. Celebrate the sheep's final destination. I had a text message not long ago from somebody that we were in church with, somebody who was a leader with us, and said, I want to make sure you know, and gave me the name of so-and-so, and said, it looks like... He is getting ready to go to his new address. And that's talking about heaven, going home. And I responded back and I said, thank you for letting us know that, but I'm thankful that we are promised a new address in heaven with the good shepherd. That's comforting. The word and is a strategic word in that verse. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And then the word and. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord how long? Forever. Now, his goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives, and we're going to dwell in the house of the Lord. How long? Well, it's forever. We're going to walk through that. Let me give you these words. Number one, personal language. David said, and I shall dwell. At that point, David's very personal. I don't think he's selfish. I don't think he's... You know, dealing with narcissism. I think David's just being honest. He's grateful, he's thankful that the good shepherd has changed his life. And David says, I shall dwell. David's saying, here's what the good shepherd has promised me. David said, I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let me ask you today, as kids, as students, as adults, what do you want God to do in your life? 
Not merely what do you want him to do for the church? What do you want him to do for your connect group? What do you want him to do for the pastor, the staff, or the deacons? What do you want God to do in your life? What would you say to that? I mean, you you may say today, I, I want him to save me. Well, he'll save you today. I want him to give me a job. Well, trust him, he'll do that. I want him to heal me because you're dealing with physical issues and you want him to change your life. He still heals people this day. I mean, you may need a direction in life. You may look and say, I've got to have direction about college, about a spouse, about money issues. Listen, look to the good shepherd and say, here's what I want him to do in my life today. And David is saying, I shall dwell, meaning this is what the good shepherd is going to do in my life. What do you need him to do in your life? Personal language. Talk about your relationship with God. Share it with other people, but be personal with him because he's personal with you. Number two, prepared location. David said, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord. He said this also in Psalm 27. Verse 4, he says, one thing I've asked of the Lord. Let me ask you, what are you asking of the Lord these days? I mean, David's saying, one thing I ask of the Lord. What are you asking of the Lord? What, what am I asking of the Lord to do in my life? One thing I've asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Do you understand how beautiful Jesus is in life? We have a beautiful Savior who gave his life for us. He was almost beyond recognition, but he is beautiful. Why? Because he sacrificed everything for you and me. I've asked of the Lord one thing, that I would dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. It is a prepared location for you and me. Now, when it comes to eternity, I hope you realize this as well. There are two options when it comes to eternity. I don't know what the world has told you, but according to God's word, there are two options. One of those being heaven, those who know Christ and will spend eternity with him forever and forever and forever. The second option we don't like to hear about, but it is true to God's word, is a place called hell. It is for those who reject the Lord Jesus Christ in life, who say no to him and his grace, and who say, I'm going to live my life the way I want to live it. Those people, if they die outside of Christ, will spend eternity separated from him forever and forever and forever. Those are the two options. But the good news again, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever, the grace of God is still saving people. He's still changing boys and girls and men and women, and you can know him as your Savior today. And here's the joy about heaven. It is a real place. It's not just some figment of someone's imagination. Heaven is a real place. That's why Jesus said in John 14, I go and prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. It is a real place. Let me also say it is a magnificent place. We can't even comprehend how beautiful and magnificent heaven is going to be. The walls, the gates, the streets of gold, the water that's crystal clear. It's going to be amazing what heaven is going to be like. And can you imagine being in a place, there's no crime, there's no violence, and there's no bullying there. Imagine what that's going to be like. Can you imagine being in a place where there's no more cancer, no more heart attacks, no more COVID, no more sickness, no more death, no more mourning, no more crying. Those things are over. Everything has become new. 
Can you imagine what that's going to be like? And sometimes I hear people talk about church and say, you know, I don't go to church, it's kind of boring, and they're only arrested money. Can you imagine being in a place where worship never stops, and it is never, ever going to be boring, and it is going to be glorious, worshiping Him forever and forever and forever? That's what heaven is going to be like. That is a prepared location. And David said, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Number three, permanent life. The word is forever. I'm grateful David didn't say, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord for a few months, for a few seasons of my life. He said, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Never ends. Never ends. For those of us who are sheep, I, I want to give you this word, the best is yet to come for you and me. The best is yet to come. Here's what I would say as well. You take the worst day of your life and you fill in a blank, whatever that is, you've heard a bad news from the doctor or something else happened in your life, the worst day of your life, whatever that is. If you're one of his sheep, you can always say the best is yet to come. It gets better than this. Let me also say, you take the best day of your life. You got into the university, you got the job, you, you got the promotion. I mean, they gave you a bonus that you didn't anticipate. Whatever the best day of your life is, here's what I can say to you. It still gets better than this. <laughs> Because why? Because one day we're going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The best is yet to come for those of us who are believers. There was a mom and dad had a 10-year-old son. He was diagnosed with a terminal illness, 10 years old. This mom and dad loved Jesus, loved their son, loved the church, loved their pastor, loved God's people. And their son was not having a good day and, and they knew the time may be near and so they called their loving pastor and said, if you don't mind, would you come over and visit us and maybe spend a little time with our son? Pastor graciously agreed. He came over to their house. And he goes in. They sit down at the kitchen table for a while and have a conversation. And pastor's ministering to mom and dad and, and then they're going to go upstairs to their son's room but but they're going to go together. And then the mom and dad said to the pastor, here's what I'd like to do. We're going to be in a room with you for a little bit. And then we'd like to slip out. And so you could just be there with our son for a, for a few minutes. The pastor graciously agreed. They walk up the stairs of their house and they open the door. And there's this 10-year-old son, terminally ill, probably not going to live much longer. Mom and dad is there and their loving under-shepherd is there with them. And they have some conversation, and then the mom and dad just slip out and left the pastor and the son in the room. The pastor ministered to the son and finishes out and prays for him and leaves the room, walks back down the stairs, says something to mom and dad, and then he leaves the house and he drives home. And then the next day, he gets a phone call uh, from some people and saying, the mom and dad would like you to come back to the house because the 10-year-old son has went home to be with the Lord. 
The pastor graciously says, absolutely. He drives back over to the house. This time he walks in and he's there with the mom and dad. And this time they're not at the kitchen table. This time they're not up in the son's room. They're sitting in the living room. And the pastor is comforting them. He's reading God's word. And just as a loving under-shepherd would do. And he asks the mom and dad, so do you have any questions at all? And the parents said, there's just something about our son when he passed away that we don't understand. And I wish we could find some closure to what, what, we, what we saw, what we experienced. And he said, what was that? And so the mom and dad said, when our son, as we were there with him, he was holding his finger and he refused to let go. He, he wouldn't let go of his finger. Every time we tried to get his finger like this off his finger, he wouldn't do it. We couldn't do it. And the pastor said, I can explain that. He said, yesterday when we walked up those stairs and we were in the room with your son and you guys walked out of the room, I tried to communicate with your son, but he was just not able to verbally communicate. And I wanted to make sure that he knew the Lord as his Savior because we knew the time was, was near. And I wanted to make sure any way at all that your son knew Jesus as his Savior. And he said, I really believe standing around his bedside, the Holy Spirit gave me this wisdom to say to your son. And I, the pastor said, with your son yesterday, I took his hand. And I said to him, you don't have to say anything, but if you can say, the Lord is my shepherd, grab your finger. And the pastor said, your son grabbed his finger and he refused to let go. The Lord is my shepherd. You and I live in a world that says the Lord is a shepherd. You and I live in a day where churches can say the Lord is the shepherd. in every section whoever's in front of the camera can you say the Lord is my shepherd can you say that not a shepherd not simply the shepherd the Lord is my shepherd. If David was telling that story, David could say from verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd. Let's pray together. Heads bowed. Just listen to that in your mind just for a moment. The Lord is my shepherd. Kids, students, adults, just look at your hand. Can you say, the Lord is my, and hold on to your finger and just don't let go. He's my shepherd. He's faithful. He's my shepherd. 
And there's no place like home. And I'm going to go home and be with him one day. Not because I'm a good person. Not because I do good things. Not because I'm even in church today. Not because I give money or try to do religious things. I'm going to go home and be with him because I gave my heart and life to Jesus. I realized I'd sinned. I realized I'd disappointed him. But I understood how much he loved me and how he went to a cross and gave his life for me and died and is victorious over death in the grave and he's alive today. I'm going home and there's no place like home because I can say with confidence and assurance, the Lord is my shepherd. I want to appeal to you. If you don't know that, here in just a moment, why don't you step out where you're going to stand and walk down one of these aisles, come to one of our pastoral team here and say, I can't hold my finger and say, the Lord is my shepherd. But before this day is over, I want to know that. I want to be able to do that. If you can say that, but you've never followed him baptism in baptism as we witnessed today, follow, obey the leadership of Christ. If you know Christ and and you want to join the fellowship of this church because we make much of our good shepherd every single time we're together. Come and join the fellowship of this church. If God's calling you to be a witness and to be used in ministry to share the gospel and the good news with other people, obey the leadership of Christ today. We'd love to celebrate with you. Have you decided today to follow Jesus, the good shepherd, in your life? Church, I'm grateful you many, many, many years ago sitting on some basement steps at our house across the street from my grandmother's little brown house. I surrendered my life that day to Jesus on those basement steps and Jesus wonderfully saved me that day. And many, many years later, I can stand before you and before the Lord and say with assurance, the Lord is my shepherd. Can you say that? Now, Lord Jesus, this invitation is for your glory. This invitation is for people to come to you. This invitation is to change life for all eternity. And Jesus, when we make a decision to follow you, you'll change us. Oh, you'll change our home for eternity. And Lord Jesus, I pray this eye will be full, this altar will be full of people who are saying, I'm following Jesus, I've made a decision today, and I can say the Lord is my shepherd today. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.